0: Welcome to the Truthiverse. My name is Brendan D. Murphy. This is where we unleash truth and freedom with no holds barred, no fear, and no limits. Come and evolve beyond the matrix with me and thrive, not just survive. This is a realm of empowering, uncommon awareness. This is my Truthiverse. Hey, so just before we get started with Eve, I wanted to let you know of a very exciting development imminently we will be launching the truth so what this is is a premium access membership site where all of my content will be from now on so we'll have video presentations interviews master classes courses audio files transcripts you name it it's all going to be in the truth adversity so i encourage you to head over to truthversity.com before september 30th to check out the information and reserve your spot at the early bird pricing and I look forward to seeing you on the flip side. In the meantime, enjoy this conversation with Eve Logan. I know I did. If you like it, please do share it around and chat soon. Take care.
1: Uh-huh. Spain is weird. It's got an interesting energy. A lot of old Gothic uh, buildings and the architecture. And uh, there's some dark energy there, though, too.
0: Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So- well. Maybe yeah. yeah, we might be able to work some of that, and we're going to be talking, I think, a bit about uh, some some dark energy along the way here.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, unfortunately, that's what I discovered along the way with, um, you know, my work. Although, really, primarily what I do is I I do counseling and hypnotherapy, and you know, research from what I can do with people who've had all kinds of anomalous stuff. So it ends up being more of the love bite, weird relationship interference, and sometimes you know, narcissistic abuse and, and related abduction, my lab. So I learn a lot from people over the years and have over 20 years of probably articles now Wow! on my wow. website. So it's, it's a big WordPress site. I probably need to fix it up, but you know, there's so much actually that I have, I can't even remember it all. So sometimes I review some of the things that I've done because it's been so many years, there's just so much material. And a lot of it is in writing that I haven't really wrote in books that's in articles as well. So yeah,
0: well, let me let me continue that thread. Um, so let's give let's give our audience a kind of a flesh out your introduction. So you, in an email to me, you said that your current work and focus is anomalous and complex trauma recovery. So I'd like to hear you explain that. Firstly, obviously, and then we could. I'd like to also talk a little bit about your background as well and your path onto this this road as well. So please, uh, yeah, anomalous and complex trauma recovery.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, the anomalous trauma. Uh, notation was done actually by Rima Labo in the 1990s called experienced anomalous trauma. And I adopted that term because it really described my primary interest was, okay, let's find out about alien abductions and people who've had that kind of experience, which is really a lot of different kinds of experiences with UFO sightings, missing time, or multiple alien visitations, experiences, or contacts. And, and then I learned more about the MyLab element, which involves human military working conjunction, in conjunction with some aliens. And that's, that's a whole big thing now that's come out with the super soldiers and all the Montauk people. And so that, that was a big discovery. And then SRA, uh, some of the ritual and cult abuse testimonies, um, they have similar things, sometimes including aliens and other uh, conspiratorial reptilian kinds of stuff. And then most of my material because of the first and second book that I wrote, The Love Bite, was about how the aliens in particular were creating these um, orchestrated love obsessions and uh, romantic dramas or relationship manipulations for their own reasons, which may be many. And so I gathered many case histories of people that I learned from my own group and some cases of Barbara Bartholek and people throughout the years who've had like these quote love bites and um, setup manipulations and also this whole twin flame, false twin flame thing, which is huge right now. So I, that's the bulk of my clients come in for things related to that. And lastly, of course, narcissistic abuse, which has become popular really more since 2011 um, with Sam Beckman's work. And then people who have discovered just the whole ball of wax unraveling that explains so much with even anomalous trauma with the attached entity kind of thing. So I work with that and um, really just a lot of research related to how that combines with how we can explain it through complex PTSD, um, which is really in the old days, this like in the old days, even when I got my master's, in the 1990s, we didn't even have the term complex PTSD. All we had was you know, post-traumatic stress disorder. And then some of the uh, DID, MPD was starting to become known, but it was still like questionable, which is bullshit because it's totally true. Um, so the complex PTSD, it takes it a step further with um, classic post-traumatic stress. We learned about it through the Vietnam vets and the combat veterans who came back with, you know, terrible traumas, you know, drug addictions, alcohol problems, flashbacks, you know, all these symptoms that seem to be from a more acute level of trauma that maybe happened During combat, let's say in their adult years, but with the complex PTSD, the pervasive trauma developmentally through childhood, um, let's say if you're in a ritual abuse or a narcissistic abuse family or even alien abductions throughout your life, that can create the complex trauma signature, which is a little bit more I don't know, I say more difficult and involved for your recovery. Mm -hmm. So to have a really good understanding of how that works can help people in the recovery from anomalous trauma as well as classic complex trauma. And then on top of that all, which is really the anomalous stuff that I work with to try to understand the connections between interdimensional, alien, demonic, spiritual attached entities, curses, and how that works with trauma to kind of complicate and interfere with the recovery process. And then we've seen this with um, more profoundly with whistleblowers and with people wanting to know the truth of their experiences where Obviously, something did not want them to recover fully or parts of themselves holding secrets for a cult, for example, or an MKUltra. Then we run into the attached entity kind of thing and booby trap programming. So it gets complex. That's why they call it complex trauma. So, But it's good to understand because if we don't fully understand, we can't work on a good recovery and we'll run into one problem after another. So that's why I became involved in this. I wanted to get to the root of it all. So I did and well I'm learning all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, awesome. I love that. I love that mindset of learning all the time. Um and so I want to kind of like track back uh because I, my my mind is already, you know, my, it's throwing tangents out left right and center, <laughs> but I wanted to go back into how you kind of ended up here and you did mention some of the other um pioneers, you know, Barbara Uh, You also mentioned Dr. Carla Turner in in one of your emails. Um, So this, this whole MyLab thing, was that kind of your window into the more uh, bizarre sort of esoteric arcane type of stuff?
1: I'd say so. Um, I was introduced to some people who were survivors of satanic ritual abuse who also had alien encounters. And that was actually before the first MyLabby stuff I learned about. So I learned about the MyLabby stuff. I mean, I, I have my own terms for things and actually we, kind of co-created some of these terms way back when, before it was really popular, uh, based on the memories of people in my group, myself, uh, and what Barbara Bartholik had come up, and with Carla Turner's work, and Dr. Helmut Lammer from Austria, I believe, and he's no longer with us, nor is Carla Turner, nor is Barbara Bartholik, um, but they described things that people had who had classic alien abductions experiences also had this weird military component and then that was kind of hush hush and they got harassed a lot when they started talking about it and people wanted to put it in one camp or the other camp to keep it neatly circumscribed in some kind of narrative which was really a control gatekeeping mechanism of what was really going on which there's there's a collusion so that was um carla turner's work really brought that out strongly and resonated with james bartley and myself when we were working together and then when we were so lucky to correspond with Barbara Barthlick, who was the hypnotherapist who helped um, Dr. Carla Turner in her personal experiences, as well as many clients that were in Carla Turner's book, like the Ted Rice case in the Masquerade of Angels, which was like the phenomenal like poster child expose of all these different components that happened within a... M- Alien abduction experience, as well as some of the military and some of the spiritual deceptions with the reptilians and many different types of aliens. So it was a real groundbreaking expose that I think many people did not really get the profundity and importance of that work. But I, I really wanted to learn more. And so I got to corresponding with Barbie personally for many years. And we learned a lot privately and also together. So, yeah. I was, I was fortunate.
0: Yeah. My... Yeah. And I know James pretty well. And he, um, you know, he's had his own experiences with uh, reptilians. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are so many threads. <laughs> There's just so many threads here to pull on. Um <laughs> So let's let's say continuing with the mylab theme what was happening with people you say there was a a crossover there where they were having some people were having mylab experiences as well as um yeah. what you might call alien abduction experiences and there was this uh kind of like hybridized kind of gray middle ground where there was both happening at once and you're saying there's a collusion happening between the military and these other non-human um intelligences can you maybe uh, elaborate on that what was what were people experiencing say
1: Ah, boy.
0: Um, Like some of them, I remember, well, who was it?
1: Leah uh, Leah De- Haley Davenport was one of the ones that came out with some of her books that talked about some of the classic alien abduction, alien greys. And then somehow then she had an abduction with military where they were threatening her not to talk. And And then some of the experiences with people would be, they would be taken by, let's say the greys or a different race, could be a completely different race with a craft and a whole weird thing. And then right after that, the the military would come sometimes to uh, interrogate them about their expenses with the aliens, or they may be working in collusion where, let's say the reptilians would come first to do something, and then after they would activate the abductee with whatever technologies they had, and then they would use that uh, abductee in a MyLab operation that may involve a number of things, uh, sometimes in the body, sometimes out of the body, or in other realities or possibly clones. So that's the kind of report. So some people would have memories where, oh, it was the aliens who took them and they had that kind of experience. And then another experience might be, well, the lab coat people who are humans who are doing, you know, what they do every so often and the underground bases and then sometimes mil- military and aliens in the underground bases together. Mm. So working together, like in labs and stuff.
0: Yeah. 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 I think it's it's very interesting because what when you, when you talk about the... Uh, you know, on the one hand, you get these government or military um, operatives showing up after the fact, after the fact of an experience with apparent aliens, and they're questioning people as if they are trying to find out what's going on because they don't really know, they don't have a full, they don't fully have a handle on what's going on. And then on the other hand, you're also saying, well, we've also got this, what appears to be a very blatant, open uh, collaboration going on between other so it's like there's a, there must be a, a great deal, and I, you know, I think this is fairly well known, but like I, I want to acknowledge this anyway and talk about it. A, a massive amount of compartmentalization in the the larger sort of superstructure of government, military, and what have you, where the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing, and you've got these yeah. different factions, and these guys are trying to find out what's happening, and meanwhile these guys are uh, orchestrating collusions with these non-human entities. I mean, it's, it's a it's a zoo, it's an, an absolute circus.
1: Yeah. And I I would say that based on what I have seen over the years and also with the research of Dr. Corrado Malanga of Italy, whose work was really, I think, not really well known so much in the U.S., but more maybe in Italy and Europe. But the highest locus of control is the aliens. So there's a different hierarchy of types of aliens and corporeal and incorporeal beings, as he calls them, and the militaries that may work for them that were recruited at some point along the way to help carry out a joint alien military, even a Nazi kind of program, which was run by a higher level of, we can say, certain types of aliens. And so those were actually defined by Karata Malanga in several of his articles, which really kind of um, put things together for me in terms of some of the spiritual, you can say demonic and spiritual, depending on the type of being interacting and how they interact and why they interact. So that kind of helped me understand why there was so much compartmentalization with, let's say, the human realm, because oftentimes the humans, they want to know what what was going on with the aliens, right? So some aliens actually protect their people from military and other humans to find out what they're doing. So what Malanga figured out, I know this is a, it would probably be a whole other show, but- he figured out how aliens were inserting their own memories and their own type of consciousness in our own minds, brain, spirit. And that it, some people would have these memories of having been aliens or have very complex you know, scientific data, alien technology, alien languages, all kinds of stuff, as if it's their own memory. But it really, it's a way they would park their information within the minds of abductees to be utilized later or to be stored there. Because the aliens didn't have their own body, so they'd use our bodies to live through us because of our eternal soul that would help keep it alive. And they would have to do this by affecting our will so that our will would be basically hijacked in some way so that they could insert their will and their agenda and their lives through us if the abductee didn't, quote, wake up and integrate their uh, mind, spirit, and soul so that was the whole focus of Dr. Karata Malanga's work was understanding us as how we understand our triad of consciousness. And when we have a direct connect with our eternal, uh, he called it the soul anima in his language, the way he defined it. But when we have that direct connect and are run by the eternal now benevolent spirit, then we won't be as hijacked by the alien consciousness of programming. But if that is diverted so that, the alien will and the other components of our consciousness are take over as opposed to the highest aspect. That's when we get all messed up. Basically that's Mm -hmm. when there's like a lot of mind control, a lot of confusion, a lot of dissociation, which goes into complex trauma.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, logically, you know, we can infer, you know, for people who are maybe not familiar with it, uh, people who have gone through say a lot of intense trauma or complex trauma would I presume make the more ideal targets, at least some of the time?
1: Yes. I mean, from what I know now of, of how they create, quote, mind control slaves, we can talk about the Illuminati, monarch mind control slaves, and you hear a lot about that with the Hawaii and, they, and the families and the systems. They have a, a system of trauma, trauma-based mind control in their families for most of, if not all of their people, depending on what they're willing to do consciously. Um, and so they, they create that trauma-based mind control to implement their own mind control system and attached entities and programs. So in order to maintain control and mind control, you must keep a certain level of chaos, trauma, and dissociation in that person's life. So really um, when we want to recover from complex trauma and you know integrate, it requires a certain level of balance and calmness and safety so that one can get to a place where they can do that. But what I found out, at least with respect to people who've had what I'm calling the more malevolent aspects of alien abduction with the MyLab element, their lives tended to be full of a lot of chaos and interference. So that when they when they chose to wake up or they chose to share their experiences in a support group or really want to find out more, all this like sabotage and chaos and interference would happen, including love bites, right? Including being set up with someone else. And this opens up this whole trauma drama and twin flamey thing, and it'll go on for years. And then they, they got off their path of recovery. So if you maintain the dissociation and the chaos, it prevents people from having the conditions they need to really... Uh, integrate and heal from their trauma so healing from trauma is absolutely number one in order to get clarity on what's going on
0: totally yeah and i, I stress that for you know anybody anyone and everyone who doesn't matter whether they're, you know victims of uh, abduction or not just doing that that inner work that shadow work and the trauma work is so crucial in terms of being able to live a decent life or a, a content fulfilling life it's just absolutely fundamental right
1: yeah And I mean, it's, it's not perfect. I think, you know, we can't make it perfect. And one of the things that I've learned over the years is sometimes people are so, um, what do you call it? Motivated to do all the shadow work that they forget to build on the light. So Mm -hmm. I find it's better to, to build on the light and build on the balance. And then you work with, um, you know, gently sometimes uncovering the dark aspects so that you have the, the foundational strength to do all the, the deeper shadow work. So you don't want to, In a lot of people, they have this idea that if they just get a hypnotic aggression, they could find out everything about their experience and they could figure it all out and everything's fine, but that's not a wise way to go. It's not about figuring it all out. It's about recovering your balance and building your light based on the true spirit mind heart connection and then using that building foundation and the protection that the spirit offers us to to gradually move through the things that are not in alignment with our highest and best good. Mm. And that's a safer better way to do it, if you ask me. And and there's some other things that I found out. I'm just kind of going off the thing here, but I discovered you know I discover a lot of things along the way, little, little discrepancies and errors. In some people's shadow work, let's say some people will identify with the shadow and let's say if they have an attached entity like a reptilian, okay, and they may identify with the reptilian as it's part of themselves, it's their shadow, it's part of their self and they go on this whole identity thing of uh, embracing their shadow, embracing the reptilian, justifying its behavior and never changing. hmm So I've seen that happen with people who claim to be healers, who are, you know, doing supposed truth telling. And then it's another type of gatekeeping misdirection done Mm -hmm. by the reptilians that are running them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, boy, you know, what a what a wild uh, thing this has been to see how this manifests in all these different ways. Yeah. And it's it's not like bad mouthing people. It's just learning. You know, what is our true power that we could really work with to, to get through this?
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. There's a few things that I I want to circle back to. So um, Twin Flames, you've, you've mentioned a couple of times. And um, in, in this context, it's not sounding like a super positive thing. It sounds like one of these vehicles... Uh, or ideologies that allows uh, other parties to, you know, piggyback or you know, intervene and utilize this dynamic for their own for their own purpose, or set up a dynamic that's deeply unhealthy. And you know, based on the little bits I've read from, you know, what you've linked me to and what have you, I've watched another interview of yours. Uh, the twin flames thing is a, is a hugely kind of like New Age yes. thing. It's really it's really entrenched at this point. Um, please, you know, comment on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, actually, had clients come to me who had um, felt that they met their twin flame under interesting circumstances, maybe going to a healer who does, let's say meditation, ritual, psychic readings, where they call in your twin flame or they call in your angel guide or this or that. And then once they do that, and it's only because of the people who are aware enough to see what was happening on all these like clairvoyant levels that, and I'm not saying every single person who's doing this is doing it wrong or whatever, but what was experienced, maybe it was the article I sent you was a woman who was actually from Australia, I think, um, who had a, she did some session with another psychic woman who would call in, do these special, you know, meditation ritual, calling in the spirit guide, calling in the twin flame. And so they would, she would do it. And then astrally the being would come. So the client, um, she actually had a feel for a particular man, but she wasn't sure. But when she saw Let's say the woman calling in the twin flame, it called in like actually she saw a draconian on that case. A draconian had come in in the astral realm, you know, linked in with the man who was the supposed twin flame so that this thing happened. It came together. Right. So when she got connected with the twin flame guy, he was run and connected to this draconian entity, which had the qualities of, uh, you know, um, extreme narcissistic manipulator abuser except more so and that playing more of a guru role so that gets really dangerous when they think their twin flame is kind of like a spiritual meditation guru type but they're run by a drac and they think they're wonderful and they think they're this teacher but then they do all this weird gaslighting thing but in in the twin flame literature itself they'll have like a total syndrome of all these things that should happen when you meet your twin and you go through this phase and that phase, and then it's the runner, you know, and it's this and it's that. And But when you, when you look at it from different eyes, let's say from a therapist who knows all about narcissistic abuse, this twin flame ideology is completely enabling um, the predators and the narcissistic abusers and the hosted ones to basically carry out this vampirism operation of manipulation and control. And it, and it totally enables and justifies classic narcissistic abuse. And it's like, whoa, you know, when you see this, um, and some of this is also, I can't, I don't want to say, make certain forms of Buddhism or Eastern practice wrong, but in some forms of what they call guru yoga, like in Tibetan Buddhism, let's say hijacked ones will take advantage of that ideology so that the guru is like everything to someone and you meld with them and you meld with this divine and you become the divine, you know, yogini and yoga kind of thing in this tantric duo. And so that's what they may want to promote. But then if it's hijacked by the uh, the wrong ones, it turns into just an experience that is very, very traumatic and vampirizing and, it's hard to disengage from um, so that people think maybe it's their twin flame they ran into and it could create like a magical connection, a heart connection of real love. So it's not like these people don't fall in love and don't have a connection. They may remember past life things that seem genuine memories. So it's as if these higher level beings, which now I am beginning to think some of them are like, uh, I don't want to call them Nephilim spirits, but some of them, well, what we learned very in-
0: loaded. That's a very loaded term. Yeah,
1: there's many, well, there's some that are described like that where they have an ability to connect and do things, you know, on high level tantric magic. And they can do things that cause us to have these feelings and experiences on a more profound level. Mm-hmm. So I actually learned some of that through the work of Amanda buys who has done many interviews with specifically people who've had the high level satanic ritual abuse families where they were used in certain capacities and called certain beings, Nephilim, mm-hmm. but you know, they may d- be described differently in, in the alien abduction literature and certain experiences, like the ones Dr. Carado Malanga described. He has one called the six fingered, uh, being, and I I don't know if it takes a Nordic form per se, but it's a false form, it just takes, but it's a six-fingered one, and it will kind of host the abductee in a certain way, and have a certain, it has a tire on the hierarchy, and it may be related to Nephilim, and I I don't know, but I know that it was described as a six-fingered one, which is classic for Nephilim, and then there's the one that Malanga called the Oris-Ra being, which is kind of like a, mm. a bird with a funny like snout thingy and big eyes and these funny little things on their shoulders. And they have a certain appearance and um, there's different forms that they take. So when Malanga figured it out after like 20 something years of doing um, different kinds of regressions, he found that there was a hierarchy of beings mm-hmm. and the highest on the hierarchy was uh, the Oris Raw, and then the primordial man and then below that was like the Drax and the reptilians and the insectoids and and the different grays and then certain Nordics or certain uh, cyborg Nordics and the six fingered ones. So he had a whole hierarchy of different kinds of beings that were reported in his work. So I just find it fascinating um, what he discovered because it put things together for me with what people were starting to remember in some of these unusual experiences. But I, I don't know. I don't want to go too much because there's so much there, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, there is. This is, this is huge and there's so many tangents, but just to to continue with that one, I mean, um, was he in his research, was he finding that the theme, okay, so I had two questions. Um, What was, because the word hierarchy implies a kind of uh, a a purpose, a a collective purpose. Um, So what was his take on that?
1: Well, what he, boy, he discovered, you know, over the years, that um, abductees had a certain um, in. He called it an incoherence between the mind, spirit, and soul, as he understands the triad of consciousness. So it would be, in his understanding, the soul he called anima, which was the eternal now spirit, which has all the power of past, present, and future. That's really the battery that would empower these parasites that can only function in the temporal realm. Of time and space, even though they can go in and out of time, they are not eternal beings as we understand them, like we are as humans Mm -hmm. who have this anima, soul essence. So they use that as a battery to live through us. So if we understand ourselves, who we are, and then we can understand who they are and what they're trying to do through us. And then there was a hierarchy of beings based on his understanding of the creation of this universe, which kind of goes into this whole thing he called the ebidion Theory. So it's hard. it does connect though. It does connect with some of the things that I've learned recently that have to do with the Kabbalah, Metatron's cube, and Adam Kadmon as the primordial man being part of, I'm going to call it the lower universe that the Gnostics would call, like the lower Pleroma for lack of a better term. And that within this lower universe, which is more of a artificial intelligence, simulacrum, holographic kind of reality, it is run in a different way than the eternal unbegotten, which is really um, what Jesus showed us, which we really are inside. So the ones who are not like that have to be vampires, right? So they have to control and manipulate and use our energy to implement and keep their consciousness alive through us. So one of the things that Malanga found out through all these regressions where he's actually in direct communication with our eternal now spirit, some people call that the higher self. Um, Where are we going with this? That the aliens would... uh, try to be like guides or protectors, but they're basically pretenders and would insert themselves in us to promote their program, their consciousness, their agenda, without our knowing it. I don't remember I was going with this, but um, there was things that he, I just thought it was so amazing. He figured out, and it connects with the Nazi thing, because now in the super soldier testimonies, there's so much more being like revealed with, you know, the dark fleet and the all these German Nazi origin things that had really seemed to escalate since Hitler, that they got a hold of these occult technologies and then really took it, you know, to the stars. So that a lot of this stuff is based on Nazis getting a hold of this technology. And in conjunction with certain high level aliens who may or may not even come from this universe as we understand it. So, One of the things that Malanga found when he would do these interviews with uh, the higher self, that there was uh, people who had been caught in time, who were recruited like back in the Nazi era to work for the military. And then the military and the Nazis who were already in in collusion with these higher level, darker alien beings. (laughs) And they would give them a storyline about how they would help them promote an agenda of, of such and such. But what they didn't know is that they were hijacking the soul essence, which is the higher self essence and wisdom of humanity and the people that were basically doing these agendas. And so they basically would hoodwink these military people who would be hijacked to do abductions on abductees through their Nazi agendas without really knowing what they were doing and why they were doing it. So Malanga would do these interviews and find out, well, these people were stuck in time doing these abductions since the Nazi era in and out of time, like abducting people, carrying out the agenda. And that, yeah, so there was different beings who were more associated with certain Israeli military, for example, which is really interesting. Um, those were the insectoids or the, the ones that look like bugs, I guess, the, the big bugs. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry I don't know to make jokes about it but no even-
0: i mean they're, they're referred to frequently as, as mantids or mantis-like beings yes. you're right yeah
1: but i think that you know when i when i look at the qualities of consciousness that they had discovered in these experiences and these alien intelligences that it seemed to kind of correspond with some of this artificial intelligence demiurgic harmonic consciousness that was associated with the ones carrying out that agenda and i think it's true because if you look at their behaviors and how they control and manipulate if you observe it over time you will see there's some holes in it and so that's what i noticed
0: yeah it's it sounds like i mean you really are outlining a very uh gnostic kind of a, a setup here i mean Was that was that one of Malanga's uh, reference points, or was that something that you realised later on down the track?
1: You know, I don't know if he. He might have included it in his Evidion theory, which was like a syncretic thing of seeing the similarity between all these different religions and the primordial man and creator one and creator two and the hierarchy of that. And it just gets so complex that you know it's hard for anybody to understand, but his basic premise was true. And the only reason why I caught on to it is because I was reading the Nag Hammadi library for, I mean, I read it over four or five times because when I learned about the the archons, Um, in the reality of the rulers um, on the the origin of the world and the hypostasis of the archons are the three main tractates in the Nag Hammadi library that really go into more detail about like who are these archons and you know the upper upper pleroma and the lower pleroma and the lower um, angels and the higher angels and what Jesus really came to do and who we really are and so it, it helped explain things but also give great validity to Jesus Christ so it's not anti-Jesus in my understanding but many people have different views and what what even Gnostic means so Mm -hmm. I don't even want to go on that tangent all I know is that there's similarities observed with the behaviors and experiences of people who've had these aliens where they were interfering and hijacking and manipulating and so that's my assessment yeah that the connection between that understandings.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I mean, what you're describing with the aliens as parasites, um, you know, the, the archontic uh, psyche is a parasitical mind uh, that does exactly what you've been describing. It's uh, because it's not, uh, if we want to use that kind of languaging, it doesn't emanate from the the original source of plero- Pleroma. Um, nice. it, its only way of surviving is to, you know, essentially siphon the life force or life energy of actual living beings, sovereign beings like like humans.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that Malanga found is um, is because the aliens, the incorporeal ones, they didn't have bodies. So they needed somewhere to save their consciousness, like a mind drive file in the bodies of those who have the eternal spirit. And that was really interesting. It's as if they don't have enough bodies, which I find interesting. But uh, I don't know if Malanga really talked about the quote, the alien love bite. And that was something that really Dr. Carla, uh, Dr. Carla Turner and Barbara Bartholick really mentioned in their work, because Barbie actually didn't call it the love bite. We actually called it that later. There was a number of us who decided just to call it the alien love bite, for lack of a better term. But she just called it, you know, the drama of the love obsession that was put together and set up over time with different kinds of aliens. And it would carry out a certain characteristic and drama that suggested this is much more than a a regular relationship or even a, you know, a love affair, love at first sight. It was definitely played out a certain syndrome. And, you know, that's what I wrote about it. This, I'll just show you my, the Love Bite book, the first book, Love Bite. This talks all about, you know, the alien love bite within alien abductee cased histories and how that plays out. And then the second book, I'll just go ahead and show you. I know I wrote it in my link, was The Dark Side of Cupid, that was 2012. That was an extension of the same kind of relationship where people might be thinking they met their twin flame, um, but they weren't sure if they had an abduction history or maybe the partner didn't have one. It was there was a lot of different variations, but still the main theme was a type of what I call interference and energy vampirism, where there's you know emotional highs and crashing lows and kind of a classic narcissistic abuse thing but that wasn't always the only profile that was prominent. So there really is what we call a third party entity interference that was manipulating the relationship in some way that was pretty apparent to one or both people.
0: Yeah. Okay. And, um, and also you've, oh man okay so let me just stay on track here so one of the the purposes of the this kind of relationship manipulation um on one level would would appear to be at least a functional thing for these uh, if they're parasitical beings then they create drama they create all these emotional highs and lows so that they can feed mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. Does, how much further beyond that does it go i mean tell me what the purpose or the agenda is here for these types of setups
1: Well, there's actually, well, I put together four basic reasons based on what I observed. And of course, Barbara Bartholik was like, well, they're feeding on emotional energy. They're like, there's like this main drama director running through all these different programs and all these different things, but it's all done under this kind of an umbrella of many different beings. And it's a type of drama direction or emotional loose feeding, Mm -hmm. but in my labs and some of these other experiences, um, they may put people together to have children, for example, the hybrid breeding program where they want to do it that way. Although most of the time they just take you and use you and take your eggs and do the things somewhere else. You don't have to have a marriage partner with kids for that to happen. But, um, and then they would take my lab abductees where they would put them together with a, a twin or a targeted partner that would be twinned to them sometimes, or a very good connection and then they would use them together to amplify their operational capability and their psychic ability and their, you know, psi quotient to be used on operations with more. Um, they just have more abilities like psychic abilities and all kinds of stuff that you hear in some of these um, my lab super soldiers. Mm-hmm. And that was another reason. And then the loose feeding, of course, was another one. And the other one would be if they set you up with someone like a Romeo agent or a honeypot or a love bite setup. And I've seen this happen where they're doing it as a type of targeting to throw you off or to derail you if you're whistleblowing or if you're just seen as someone that they want to um, distract or neutralize. And so even in the love bite, I think there's a case where one of them was an FBI agent who was sent on a abductee where they knew this woman was a hybrid. Okay. They knew that the military and the government, they already knew who was, and they wanted to neutralize her for their own ends by putting them together. But there was, that's a really good case. It's, it's Mia Adams and the FBI agent in the love bite book. That's a really good case because it describes and exposes a lot. So you could be sent somebody just to derail you, mm. um, you know, just mess with you. And and then some of the experiences would be in hindsight. Let's say someone had a love bite set up earlier in life. And then maybe years later they, you know, they went through all that drama, they had a breakup or whatever. And then years later they meet someone who might be quote, the true partner they should have had. But when they looked in hindsight, the one they were set up with was like a cookie cutter setup. Who is meant to kind of fool them uh, in recognition to basically derail them with a false uh, twin flame kind of thing? So there would be several reasons why that could take place when, if it was basically not a good experience. However, I would would say that many people who've had, let's say they call it the twin or a love bite, um, they may remember other life experiences. Um, And they may have come to a spiritual awakening as a result of the difficulty of this experience. And they may perceive it as being, well, this is what woke me up. So I have to look at it in a different way. And that even though, you know, all these things happen, they still love the person very much. And they will always love that person because a lot of times the love is true. You do feel strong. It's just that in hindsight, if you, you could love someone, but if they're displaying narcissistic personality disorder and they got an attached entity, they're not willing to get rid of, it, and they've got addictions where well, they're going to be a messed up relationship and they will fuck you over over the time because they won't change. And what do you want that? No. Right. So you could still love them, but you know, they're fucked up. I'm sorry <laughs> to say, <laughs> but that's what happens.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, which is, I guess, you know, like a lot of relationships and in general, you know, you, you have that that dynamic where someone is really not particularly well-suited to you, but you still care about them and, yeah. and that kind of thing. But at some point you've got to, you know, realize, Hey, what's actually serving me here and what's, what's not. Um, <clears throat> and then move on. Um, so let me just have a quick, I'm just looking at my, some of my notes here. So okay. we've covered some of the, the goals of the various entities that are creating or interfering with relationships and even manufacturing them. Um, We've touched on the MyLab stuff. The MyLab thing, do you feel like, I feel like that's a, a fairly, um, I, I feel like there's questions, more questions there. Or If there's any other thoughts you have around that that we haven't covered yet, I'd love for you to just, um, you know, wax lyrical if you, if you want to jump in with anything. Um, the role of, we've already touched on the role of trauma and, um, and dissociation and fragmentation of the personality. Um, is there anything there that we feel like, you feel like we need to elaborate on that's relevant?
1: Well, I mean, my feeling after learning about this for so many years, and I know it's going to be unpopular with uh, many of the people who've had, you know, classic abductions or in super soldier projects, I think that it ultimately is a cult based on the satanic ritual abuse, high-level families, which are Luciferian, or some of them they call satanic. There's a light side and there's a dark side. But ultimately, most of those programs are based on the template of trauma-based mind control, which goes back to, you know, these entities and these—I uh, think they're dark. That ultimately, but some people have incredible capabilities, and they're they're good people. But I think the the primary template goes back to that technology and that knowledge, which was in those families for thousands of years. So that's something that's probably. People don't want to talk about the, the dark side aspect, and I think there is a dark side aspect to this, even to many of the alien things, um, which, you know, it makes it unpopular, but I think that's the template for how they use people as slaves in some way.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think we should shy away from it. Um, it's it's obvious you know, if you listen to uh, whistleblowers or survivors who've gotten out of the SRA scene, um, you know there's a number of them uh, who've, who've written books and you know been interviewed. Uh, so yes, it's no secret. I don't think we should shy away from it at all. So how do you see? Just to to maybe recap, um, how do you see the the connection in between the SRA kind of uh, those ritual or those cults? Say we call them cults, the SRA cults, and then the 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 interface with say, d- dark networks or these, uh, what, we, what we're calling alien or for want of a better term, we could call it interdimensional or whatever you want to, however you want to um, language it. How, what's the interface there with the SRA stuff, the SRA cults? Because that's highly organised, highly structured stuff. And, and it does, as you know, and many people ha- have started to learn, that does connect in with a lot of this sort of more secretive uh, government yeah. kind of black projects and things. So, yeah, I, I think we could talk a, bit, a little bit more about that too.
1: Yeah, I mean, there is a distinct difference, though, and this was something that was, you know, a point of contention with some of the early research with, you know, James Bartley, where we had the alien abduction phenomena, and then there was an element of my labs, but it was distinctly unique and different from people who were coming forth with, oh, well, they're, you know, from a mind-controlled family who are MKUltra, Illuminati, uh, and they would have a different signature of their testimonies and their histories than these some of these MyLab alien abductions. It wasn't the same. They weren't from like many of the abductees or even the MyLabs. They, they couldn't say that, oh, they're from a family. They were taking them to rituals and they were doing this and they were doing that. It It just didn't happen or it wasn't experienced that way. But I do still feel that there is a trauma and there's a dissociation and there's programming that happens even within those who haven't had the classic sra illuminati mk ultra kinds of programming and i think they've streamlined the uh, the ability to do this so that it's much more insidious and covert and it, maybe it's not as traumatic in some cases with the younger generation that i think is just as effective if not more so because if the trauma isn't there for you to know viscerally that you know what this did to me was like bad or wrong you know, it feels bad or wrong and that there was some kind of evil to it because of how they treated you. But if you don't feel they're bad or wrong and they did it so well and they're they're making you promote their agendas and how wonderful they are and then not knowing how they're pulling you away from um, what we call the original awareness. So this is like we're taking it to another level with some of the interviews that I've done with people, um, the Scandinavian woman in particular, where she did so much discovery and integration in her own work from being like a classic MyLab, right? Um, And then doing lucid dream work and Jungian dream analysis to uh, build and discover her, what we call original awareness. And I think it's original awareness of what we call the eternal now spiritual aspect of us. And if we can build that awareness to work through us and override all the programs and all the, Hijacks of the other components of consciousness, which tend to always reify the non-lucidity of this hologram. Okay. So this goes into how we can break that archontic control, the alien control, and all the programming shit that a lot of us aren't still not aware of. So this is where we're we're taking it with when we can identify the original awareness and how it can override and basically shatter all that stuff that so that you will always have a a guide inside to know um what is true versus what is overshadowing programming so and that you can do with lucid dreaming which is Mm -hmm. really
0: yeah that is cool that is cool um yeah maybe maybe i'd like to hear another comment along the how the lucid dreaming ties into that and how you utilize that fantastic
1: it's really fantastic um I can't say enough about it. And we did a dream group recently with some really aware um, abductees and my labs and different people who wanted to take it a step further. So I would say that this was discovered in her consciousness. And it's in some of the Marit interviews where she did a discovery of the integration process of mind, spirit, soul, working in unity and coherence. Um, After retrieving a split off soul part that was trapped by, let's say, an alien, another universe kind of thing or another dimension, which they do, they'll split you and then they use that to access you, to put you in clones. I mean, there's all kinds of weird stuff, right? But when she was able to integrate by building her power of coherence, even when there was a split, um, that enabled her to build on the original awareness that her spirit gave her to override how all this programming was taking place on more subtle levels of consciousness, which goes back to some of the writings that we hear about, and even the uh, uh, the Yaki and um, what do they call it? The, actually, the Mexican shamans. Uh, the Castaneda was the one who made this more popular when they talked about the the mind parasite predator. I think they called it the predator and the it was terms they used where the shaman, one of the
0: terms they used was a the flyer the
1: flyers. yeah, yeah. The flyers. flyers. Well, realized how that was overtaking consciousness um, to override the natural awareness that would just have so much awareness and so much power. So when we recognize this operating in our own mind that's when the shaman can truly right wake up right? And when we eliminate this from our consciousness, but it has a very insidious ways of imposing itself, even in people who quote, not abductees, but the ones who had the abductions, we realize that this is very similar to how they're hijacking consciousness and overriding the programming uh, to make it normal, but that it's not normal. So that was what lucidity did when you can go into the dream state or even pre-dream state or after dream state. How you can maintain this lucid awareness of how all this is happening and how the archetypes might step in, or how the aliens might step in to block out consciousness from how they were tricking us to keep reifying themselves into our consciousness. So it's kind of like when we dream, this is so fascinating. I, I was always, I did this for a while where I did lucid dream yoga meditations and stuff where we identify, like once you get lucid in the dream, you will know that a lot of this is projections of our own consciousness, our own selves, but also other things and other beings and watchers and aliens and different things. To um, Once you maintain your lucidity, you can identify how it's playing out. But the program in our minds, and it's even biochemical in our neurology, I don't know how to say that, neurology, it is natural for us to fall into non-lucidity. The, the program is to fall into non-lucidity of the theater of the hologram,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? The fakeness of it all. But when we can break through that, then we get lucid to see how things are being projected and dreamed out. And then the interferences of what would be the natural awareness wanting to maintain lucidity. And so that's where our power really comes from. And then we could start seeing all this level of what I call accessing. I know this is high level stuff. This is When we become more and more aware of this interference factor, whether or not you've even been a, quote, an abductee, we start to become more aware of the influences and accessing of consciousness and thinking that's happening through these other forms of consciousness or programs and archetypes. So that's where things get really, really interesting and reality starts shifting on us when we start working with that level. And that's where it gets really exciting because then we see how powerful we really are.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and one of the things I'm going back to the Castaneda thing here, because um, he said he said uh, he had his um, his shaman Don Juan, you know, the fictional shaman Don Juan say, you know, he's explaining to Castaneda, you know, these these flyers, they they have turned us into like human uh, like ch- chickens in a coop kind of thing. And they, what they did was they engaged in a stupendous maneuver. They gave us their mind. They gave us their psyche. And so, and, and again, you know, you can look at it through that Gnostic lens. It's a very Gnostic kind of a, a thing here where these these parasitical kind of beings that don't have their own, uh, for want of a better term, soul essence or whatever, have to feed on us and utilize us as their food source and imprison us. And, you know, it's like what Ro- Robert Monroe eventually called the louche thing. Yeah. And, um, but it's a very, it's sort of like, it may, all this leads me to wonder, you know, how far back do you can you trace because they were described as the kind of shadow-like um, beings flitting around in the atmosphere and attaching to people, um, and then you know in the modern era we we have this more and more we've we've adopted the uh, uh, kind of a interplanetary interstellar kind of an outlook and we're having more and more experiences interpreted through the lens of um, aliens and off-world things and, and other things. But do you think it's actually the same thing presenting itself in different ways? It's some, at least sometimes.
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, I think so now. I mean, I think a lot more was known in some of the early writers of some of the things in the Nag Hammadi. They probably knew things. And this is something that um, a man named Jason Brashears talks about in his Archaics.com Archaics YouTube channel, where he really just learned about it through chronology and history and just from a more uh, academic approach of understanding history. But he really kind of Uh, got more insight on what he calls the simulacrum theory of the hologram and the artificial intelligence programming of the holographic nature of our reality and how we're maybe inserted in here as a type of avatar whereas i feel it's something more like uh, we are dreaming this like if you go into let's say the the largest connected beingness of the deepest aspect of your being in the eternal realm you come to realize this you're dreaming this this is a, this is a dreaming so i think it goes back to the shamanics knowing that it's a type of dreaming and so i don't know if you call it fake it still is real it's still a dreaming yeah so that's how i see it although you know i think that there was a lot of light shed on things through the castaneda work that goes mm-hmm. into you know how do they how they put this artificial construct Inside of us, and I think our bodies, as avatars or as dreaming avatars, have a artificial override that somehow has erased or made it harder for us to remember and realize our eternal now beingness. And so that might be the whole goal of some of these Buddhist and other uh, traditions: is to to actually realize that nature. And so that's when you become into the major lucidity, and when you when you get to that place, then you can have greater degree of probably control and awareness of the dreaming that we're in. And then the multiple uh, world realities that we could function in, which is really fascinating because I think some of the MyLab things, uh, some of the experiences they're having, I believe that they're going into parallel worlds or parallel world selves and also in and out of time that people have definitely had um, memories of ops like in the 1940s and the 1930s and then going maybe in and out of time while well, you're still in your current incarnation. Hmm. So there's a lot of interesting things that could be done once they realize, you know, what can be done with the human mind. It's just that in these programs, one of the complaints with people who've had phenomenal abilities, some of these super soldiers, they would have, they would know that they could do things like uh, in the Andy Perrow case which he described himself as a Montauk boy. He didn't come out until 1998. I met him in in, uh, Philadelphia and Long Island, I guess, um, where Preston Nichols actually brought his testimony out for public disclosure then. And that was my first introduction to someone who had a super soldier Nazi connection and abilities that I had not heard about before. So he would be trained to do things. And he had Nazi handlers and he knew they were Nazis, And he had some in and out of time stuff that wasn't even known in those days, except for the uh, Philadelphia experiment, Montauk stuff, which predated the whole SSP notations, right? But one of the things that I'm just describing an ability, and we would be trained and genetically modified and many different things done where an alter personality part of him that had these abilities trained also through silver mind control and some of his experiences, basically he was able to heal himself. He would go into this mental basement where that part of him would go into this healing pool and imagine, you know, healing in this profound state, which was an altered personality created. And then they would take him to jump from higher and higher elevations, you know, first off a ladder and then off a house, several stories, then through a plane without a parachute. And then he would jump from a plane without a parachute and land, have all his bones be broken. And then within minutes, all his bones would meld and heal and get up and walk away. And this was witnessed supposedly by some of his high level handlers and VIPs um, in the government. Hmm. So and then the problem was, is like well, I have these abilities, but I can't get my abilities back. And so when they would awaken and the problem with some of these early testimonies was they would awaken to their mind control programming and how they were being handled, like my roommates and other people that were part of these secret projects and in these Illuminati families, but he would awaken too soon, have all this rage. And then they would send the handlers and the controllers on him to prevent him from waking up and just trump up all these experiences through trauma and bad family relations, right? They would, you would be in a dysfunctional family who would be alcoholics who, you know, you'd be in this program. So you'd have a messed up family. So when he would go to the family for help, he couldn't get help, get up, get in trouble and then go to prison. Right. So all these things would be trumped up to prevent them from going into recovery and remembering and disclosing these deep secrets. So that's what would happen. And they couldn't get their abilities back because the altars were still the, under the control of the programmers and this occult spiritual control of what they were doing.
0: Mm.
1: Well, the whole idea now is like when somebody's recovering and, you know, getting their memories back and trying to disengage from the, the black magic stuff and all that stuff, you have to do it very, very carefully so that you integrate, and then you're able to integrate your alters um, memories and abilities, which is pretty powerful. And this is, this is why even Dr. Corrado Malanga, going back to his work, many of these abductees, they're phenomenal people who have phenomenal abilities. When you can get them to integrate and connect more firmly with their spirit. So what we would do is, what he would do is, once you connected, we would do this in a hypotherapeutic process, right? Where you connect with the spirit more powerfully, and then you use the willpower and the awareness of the spirit to basically burn up um, the aliens and the alien implants and the the military so that they couldn't mess with you anymore. And use your mind and your spirit connection to basically disengage their power and control system, which is pretty cool, really. Mm -hmm.
0: 100%. You mentioned you actually mentioned in passing then the silver silver mind control method which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So was that in connection with the super soldier stuff that Andy Parro was using this? Well in
1: his in his case it was you know and and depends on the age of the person how they you know inculcate them into these projects there's different testimonies but a lot of times they'll they'll test you when you're a kid they find out you're a gifted student and then you're oh let's you know do these silver mind control little training sessions and then that's how some of his abilities were amplified through silver mind control. But in reality, when I look in hindsight of many of these people, they, I don't think they were just recruited as kids. I think a lot of them had had alien abductions from earlier and that maybe the military knew that. And that's why they grafted them into some of these MyLab projects. And so they're already preconditioned through these alien things. And and we also know that the alien, uh, the military, a lot of times they want Let's say these abductees, because they have uh, powerful or information that they want from high-level alien technology within their what they call Malanga called it the active alien memory, but it's it's like a consciousness mind file of an alien that's using the soul battery to implement its will and memories and whatever scientific abilities that that alien has. So that's powerful, valuable assets that the military would want because of technology and alien power so they and- if they know who you are then they'll, they'll then they'll put you in a project later that's what i think
0: uh, yeah well, that 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 does make some sense so with the the you know these mind files that are installed in people and the technology that you're saying is of interest to the military this is this is a very interesting little sort of idea because I'm, now my, my next question is then are you aware of any maybe and obviously this would be all of this would be highly, highly classified. So, you know, it's it's, it's a reach. But are you aware of uh, even just hearsay or rumors of any of those types of, say, files in people containing this, you know, information or technology becoming, uh, say, utilized or operationalized, like something that actually became useful and manifest to the military that they could um, Uh exploit?
1: Well, I think they have been doing that. Uh, all along with a lot of these high level, my labs, they have something already in them that they wanted to utilize. I'm just trying to think like uh, people who would know like alien languages, for example, um, they would utilize them because they know alien languages and they would use them to communicate with different aliens. And then some of them already had scientific knowledge um, already. Like they would just have downloads and they would just know these things. And of course you've heard the classic, uh, nazi channeling i don't know if it was the tule society or the real society where they had the female channelers uh maria orsick was that her name yep. who channeled these beings and they had high level technology transmitted uh downloaded and then that was utilized for some of the craft and maybe some of the high level nazi technologies that they got through those means mm. so i think they can get a lot that way and um and that kind of goes along with uh i know this is this is a lot, but what I learned with what Amanda Byes had shared in some of her interviews with SRA people, and this, I actually wrote an article about it. It was an opinion piece based on what I saw in an interview with Amanda Bys and Carmen Struder about women who were used in these high level, you're talking about high level SRA Illuminati families where they're like high level women who've been used in like the druidic tantric, sexual magic, and other things where they would actually have a direct access spiritually with information from high-level beings, Nephilim, and sometimes they would say fallen angels who would have like all kinds of um, technology and spiritual knowledge and power that would be directly transmitted through these women who had a tantric union with either of these beings on an astral spiritual level, or maybe a physical tantric sexual magic level. And then you would get a direct telepathic energetic download of all this stuff. And then they would transfer that information through sex magic to high level men, military or government or whatever that would get it from the women. So that's really how they transmit a lot of information without any paperwork. They just get it direct from these beings and then transmit it to whomever is the one who should get it. Mm-hmm. And then they use some MyLabs that way, too, and that's how they, they're they able to do so much with just direct telepathic uh, information transfer. And mm. it's, it's, it's wild, but that's what we discovered in hindsight what was going on.
0: Who is it in the uh, in terms of the receiving the the information that the uh, the the women say in the tantric uh, situation they receive the download? But who are they passing it to? In, uh, are you saying that's a telepathic transfer?
1: Um, I think it's telepathic and sexual energy where you have a like direct download with the energy body. So it's an energetic body imprinting that takes place with a download of knowledge and information and mind files and whatever so a lot of times they're they're connected with high level government or illuminati people or um whoever is the chosen one to receive the information
0: so and you're saying sorry yeah to just i probably wasn't clear so the people receiving the information uh receiving it were you saying in a in a psychic way telepathic way and then uh how does that yeah i'm just kind of trying to put the picture together how that then becomes uh useful pragmatic information (laughs)
1: Oh, well, it's done in the, in, I think in the my lab ops, it could be done male to female as well as female to male. And I think that's how they do. Let's say if they want to access information in another um, parallel world or another, you know, they want to access information, then they use someone to get it and then they do a direct transfer through their tantric twin partner that they use in ops together.
0: Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, very interesting. It's so, it's, oh, geez. it's such a strange, strange reality we live in. Um,
1: <laughs> is, well, I know.
0: It's just like, it's just this endless circus. Um, and it's so interesting. I wanted to ask a couple of questions. In your line of work, do you have, have you had a lot of people that you've worked with who have come uh, come up with memories, if we call them memories, say, or, or direct insight into other lifetimes where they have been other than human? Yeah yep
1: um and it's hard to know now you know it depends um sometimes they are alien like they're not human but that's some rare cases where they're literally it's a it's an alien and a human and they weren't human like but with what malanga found is that um many people they think they have had a past life as an alien and then they realize it is the mind file that's been parked into their quote mind brain soul thing and that is actually the memory of the being and they're taking on that identity because they think it's them mm-hmm. um, but then there's others i remember there was a man named seth coronado and that's no longer on the internet but one of his memories was he is a MyLab who had a lot of like really unusual stuff that seemed to link in with like sra overtones but in his family line there wasn't any evidence of that existing really and he was really into the shamanism thing but he remembered it was a past life thing where he made a deal with a reptilian in a former life where he was in in some kind of battle where you know he was going to die or his team or military was going to die. And, and then they made a deal with a reptilian to have power so they could win a battle. And then it was that agreement that was made at that lifetime that bonded him spiritually or whatever to this reptilian to use him in, in every incarnation since that agreement was made and then so mm-hmm. he was put right into one of these military reptilian Mylabby labby um, experiences um, from a past life thing so that's what some people find in these hypnotic regressions where they do they want to find the root cause of something and that sometimes an earlier incarnation what, a deal was made with one of these beings or through trauma or through i think it comes through ancestral a lot of ancestral stuff yeah
0: That's interesting. Yeah. So following down the, uh, the, that's an interesting idea. So how, what's the dynamic of of the ancestral thing, do you think? I mean, how does a family line, uh, you know, if it pass, pass one of these attached uh, entities along?
1: I think that happens more often than not actually,
0: as in, I, as in, sorry, I'm just thinking now, I'm just kind of answering my own question. So I can see parents, you know, it's like the parent and the child and then the thing hops from a parent to a child and it goes on like that. But is there another dimension to it?
1: Well, I mean, things do get transferred to the bloodline. Like if there's a, sometimes there's a, a spiritual gift that gets passed on. And it really is in the bloodline. Like after one dies, then they get the gift and you know, it's hard to say if it's really an entity or it's something that really is passed on through the bloodline. There's a there's a real bloodline thing, but um, in a lot of the SRA work that Amanda Bies has done, and also what many Christians have discovered who do deliverance uh, and liberation using Christian power of prayer in Christ, um, they will do a thing where you want to break the ancestral curses and demonic spirits that have laid claim to a bloodline through former ancestors so how they do that is like if they make a blood oath through things like witchcraft and freemasonry and some of the darker stuff there's definitely that definitely gets passed on Mm -hmm. Um, but really the the gist of it is if there's quote they call it iniquity in the christian terminology is basically doing bad shit, right? Sins and, and evil shit and you know, bad behaviors. And it gets passed on through the bloodline and those belief systems that go along with it. And it just kind of passes on those traits. But when it gets passed on through the bloodline, this is what I think is the primary power that creates the setup of an orchestrated life to kind of fall into like how you ended up in a project or why you ended up with all these things. A lot of it is the setup from the ancestral curses that are still there until we undo them. Mm-hmm. So if we learn how to undo the curses and the Christians have their own way of doing that, then that power structure is dismantled and then you have to dismantle it on a other levels to dismantle the whole thing so that the dark side has no longer a legal access to you and they can't get to you. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the recovery process that I've come to learn now through a Christian mode that has more power. And it's just a different way of understanding how that works. But it's also knowing through, you know, backtracking by what people in SRA bloodlines have learned through these high level secrets. And so, you know, these are really unpopular things to know and to expose because what we come across in society is, you know, there's a lot of um, a lot of hatred towards some of this orthodox Christianity that has been actually has been corrupted. lot of has been corrupted so it has a bad name you know like southern baptists and this religious crap that that seems to be hijacked right so there's a bad feel for it when people use christian terms but there actually is a truth that is true that if you read the nagamadi library and some of the the reasons why jesus even came it describes the undoing of all this archontic stuff to begin with so there is power in that. It's just that many religious systems have been hijacked for, you know, the reasons of the dark side. They want to hijack things, but mm. there are ways that we can undo the spiritual control and curse curses that put us under the legal grounds to be messed with. Mm. So once we do that, you know, it's kind of an untangling and a recovering process that that takes really purifying what we truly believe about ourselves and the world and applying those qualities to to get out from under that and it, and it's unpopular because at some point well you know how they say when you when you do your recovery work or if you if you've gone through narcissistic abuse for example and you're doing your recovery work Um, Let's say you're on the bad end of that and you start learning like all this shit, and it's like you you lose 75% of your friends. Okay. You may lose a few friends. Well, that's because once you really turn around and stop falling into the enabling and all the bullshit that we've been gaslit with about what we think we are and life is, um, then, you know, what 75% of the people you're around that they want you to be your old you, right? They want you to believe the way they want to believe so they feel comfortable in their how they perceive reality, which, you know, when you get lucid,
0: well. Yeah. I mean, people who are asleep don't particularly like when somebody's presence, not even just saying it, but the presence um, in implies that they're not awake, you know, someone who's stepped out of the, the dream and, and become lucid, can be very, very triggering for, <laughs> for the people yeah. who are still sleepwalking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it does. I mean, this is one of the things that we've talked about in some of our uh, we did uh, what do we call roundtable discussions with not only the love bite but interdimensional interference and how these things are evident when you start uncovering and let's say doing the shadow work or not allowing yourself to get hooked in with the entities or the narcissists or whatever you want to call it. But once you do that or you start awakening and you start you know maybe wanting to share, then you could start see all these layers in which they access to try to divert you through different people and then of course there's this talk about the organic portals and the you know the host of manipulated ones and how you know suddenly on your recovery process you know once you you get clear and you start moving in that direction all of a sudden you know someone gets entered in your life and they they do they do something to you know smear campaign you or abuse you or they try to keep you locked back in to the old way of being so it's like they're being used as instruments like in the matrix movie remember when the agent smith would jump into somebody and they like divert them off their path that's exactly what happens
0: mm-hmm. so. yeah. i love how applicable the matrix film is in so so many ways that's just yes. such a brilliant metaphor um i might hit you with one more question if you have time okay i don't <laughs> i don't want to keep you too long i know you've probably got uh clients and, and things to to attend uh, to but um what was my final question? Oh, okay. So <clears throat> have you, have you read, um, have you seen the work of Alec uh, Ale- Alexander Baldwin, the, uh, the SRT guy?
1: Oh, wait a minute. Wasn't he the one who was a dentist? And then uh, maybe yeah. a hypnotherapist, you know, I met him ah. in the nineties. I think it was in the nineties. No, well, maybe I didn't know if I met him, but I got his book, but that was when I went to an anomalous trauma conference and I learned about like the attached entities and the hypnotherapeutic methods, which kind of went with the Monroe kind of discoveries. So I think that's the same one you're talking
0: about, but I'm not
1: sure. Yeah, because I forgot about that.
0: Yeah. I was cuz I was wondering um you know his work is it very much ties in with what you've been saying and he he found these um you know these dark entities attached to a lot of his clients and what was described um a lot of the time aside from the fact that a lot of the so-called demonic entities actually were it turned out to be humans who were just kind of very wayward and misguided yeah and had sort of kind of forgotten who they really were if you like. Um, aside from that, these, these dark beings, he, would, he described uh, or had described to him through his clients in hypnosis that there was this kind of structure or hierarchy of dark, um, dark entities that were kind of, you know, low-level, low-level type astral stuff who were occupying uh, offices of power, gov- you know, government stations and all this kind of thing. And it really seems to tie in with what you've been describing.
1: Yeah, yeah. In fact, <laughs> it reminded me of something. But I think that's true. They do have a hierarchy and there's different therapists like uh, Shakan Tula Mundi. I, I can't say her name, but she has a book on that, what she discovered with entities and how they hide. And some of them are humans who are trapped. And I think there is a hierarchy. Of, of beings. And we know this, like with people who are like the real Satanists, I hate to go back to them again, but they do have hierarchies of demons that they use to do things. And they'll, they'll send different demons on people and have, you know, covens that do things that work with principalities and all kinds of stuff to try to divert, you know, people from waking up or using their true power. So I would say that that's true. And the only thing I was, I remembered it was a, kind of a almost comical, but not comical, in terms of a case of someone who came to me because of a, uh, kind of like a love bite situation, but it was more of um, their ex was hosted by a reptilian and it was a classic, like almost a full, almost a full possession kind of situation. But what she described was uh, and she had clairvoyant abilities anyway, she was pretty amazing and she did a lot of cool drawings in the article, but her husband got hosted <laughs> so silly but she saw like this entity like this iguana being like sitting on his shoulder like clairvoyantly and then it was associated with this like weird white box thing but it was almost as if the iguana was like the calling card image that this man was hosted by a reptilian but he got hosted by going to strip clubs and he mm-hmm. was like addicted to going to these strip clubs and then he got it from like the prostitutes in these strip clubs like doing this over and over again so this, this woman was able to clairvoyantly perceive and like remote view, not only like what was going on in her husband, how she'd you know see it overshadowing during sex and all that weird stuff, but she saw how they were linking in UFO reptilian technology to the strip clubs and other architecture like banks to basically transmit a more easier portal access of these entities into our dimension through certain people like the strip club people or the bank people or whatever, who was operating in that capacity so she would actually see this interdimensional transmission take place through the architecture and different things and i just thought that was amazing that you know she could tell like all these things going on on different levels totally
0: totally and what you're describing um multiple people who've had near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences like robert monroe and many others have described that the the presence of you know all these different types of entities hanging out in places like strip clubs and bars and clubs and you know just waiting for opportunities to jump on people and it's been described multiple different times um and i just wanted to to say i was just checking um my 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 information there it was actually because uh, i was like alexander baldwin doesn't sound right was, the guy's name was actually william baldwin
1: yeah. okay yes yeah.
0: yeah but you know exactly who i'm talking about so um this is a very interesting uh conversation we could probably go for hours more but, but I, I know you've got to get going probably Evie, so uh <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll have we'll have to do another session at some point if you're up for it
1: yeah it was nice to be able to just kind of go off on you know advanced ways of just kind of tangents i, I was Trying to think of something else I was going to say and now I don't remember what it was, but we'll have to save it for next time.
0: So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um is, are there any are there any parting thoughts? Um I, I want you to also before we go, uh, you know, let people know uh about your books. One is the the love bite, alien interference in human love relationships, and the other one was the dark side of Cupid, which was the follow-up from 2012. Um which I'm yeah. sure both would be very worth checking out uh, for people interested in this yeah, stuff. I
1: would, go through a, I would go through a Libris for both books in hard copy. And the Kindle version is still available for the Love Bite. I know that. Um, oh, yeah. And the other thing I was just going to mention too, I'm going to be doing another dream group for Anomalous Trauma, probably starting in October. And, um, I usually just do six week groups, like a, a zoom group once a week for two hours where we can share different things about anomalous trauma and how we use uh, intentional dreaming skills and lucid dreaming, if, wherever we're at to kind of explore that more and, you know, get more freedom from that. So I'm going to be doing that in October. I haven't put up the ad yet. So I just wanted to mention that. So,
0: cool. all right. If, if for people who want to kind of, um, keep that on their radar, what's the best way to do that? Um,
1: I have a website. The website is the best, EveLorgan.com. I have an Alien Love Bite Telegram group also. It's smaller, but I like that one because I could more easily update that one, actually. And uh, there is a Facebook Alien Love Bite group. I don't go on there as much, but I try to update as much as I can when I do website updates. So that's what I'm going to plan for next. And hopefully more interviews as I Get more energy back. I have a puppy that you know I've had to raise for a while and he took a lot of time. So it took a lot, it's like being a mom
0: again. So I yeah.
1: have time and I have to really schedule things just the right way.
0: So yes. totally, totally. Well, look, Eve, thank you so much for, for having a chat with me. It's been very, very interesting. And uh yes, I encourage people to check out your work. Eve Lorgan, the website.com. EveLogan.com. Just wanted to repeat that for people. Um, go and check out, check it out and if you want to join the, um, the group starting in October that's the way to do it ladies and gents so yeah. with that said Eve, thank you so much, I'll, uh, I'll let you go to enjoy the rest of your day, I really appreciate you having a chat with me if you want more cutting edge research and insight like this there's something coming that you should know about I'm building a dedicated and intimate container called the Truth Aversity for free minds that love knowledge, to reserve your early bird membership before we launch, head to truthaversity.com.